0: So we've been in Ephesians, right? First week, I talked about our identity. Second week, I talked about our identity, just about being kings and queens. And this has been done for us. All has been done by Christ. So that we can walk in this identity, that we can know the Father in an intimate way through the power of the Spirit. That There is this powerful thing that God has done for us through Jesus Christ that invites us into the relationship that Christ had through the Spirit with the Father. The intimacy that they had before the world was created, that's the kind of intimacy, that's what we're invited into as children of God and that's where identity comes from. And so um, I could refer to Jeremy, you know, again and again and again in this talk, because you heard him talk about that. You know, you heard him talk about, I was in like the bottom of the bottom and and God said, wait, you know, through the power of the spirit, he woke him up and said, hey, guess what I got for you? Intimacy, life, circumstances didn't change, but he had life in the midst of that. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what he's telling us. If you want to live out of your identity, then come to me, know me, experience my love for you through the power of the spirit. And you will find life. And you will be made alive, is what Alan said last week. That not only do we come to him and know him, but last week, Alan said, you know, he said, he said, not only just like this average life, but Christ's desire is to make us alive and more alive and more alive. That there's always more. There is always more. So wherever you are with Christ, Paul is trying to get us to understand, as you experience amnesty see the Father. And for eternity, when we are with him in heaven, we will continue to grow in our intimacy with him. Because of the vastness of his love. It's eternal. It's intimate. I mean it's, it's in, infinitive. Infinity love for us is what he has. And we will spend eternity experiencing that. And we through the power of the spirit now. Get a taste of that foreshadowing. And Paul talks about that in another place. Okay. Now Paul continues this theme in Ephesians. But he adds something to it. And it's, it's a little more difficult for us to hear. One third of the talk. Or one, one fourth of the talk involves this, but it is a powerful message. And you know, Ephesians, you know, people say, hey, why don't we preach through this book? And it's great. But then we come to sections in the book where we're like, whoa, whoa, I don't, I don't this is different. I don't know if I'd like uh, Antley preaching through Ephesians because there's these hard spots that we have to deal with. You know, we dealt with some of that uh, in the first week. And, and this week we're going to deal with it a little bit as well. But I want to tell you this I want to remind you of this. At River City Church, we believe. That the Bible is our foundation. The Word of God is our foundation. And it is true in everything that it says. And it can be trusted. And, and, and listen to this. and every message, you know, and people go, well, man, I just like when Antony was talking about the Spirit. Or I love when our church talks about the love of the Father. Every, every scripture, every scripture, even the hard ones that are difficult to swallow are about the love of the Father. Everything we read in the scripture, everything is about the move and the power of the spirit in our life, even especially in the difficult things. Okay, so we're going to launch into Ephesians just after I tell you. This is the outline that we're going to go through today. And it talks that it says this it says that I'm going to talk about how his blood has brought us near to God individually. Again, Paul reminding us, this is who you are now. And then his body brings us together, okay, that there's a redemptive act that's happened in christ that brings us together as a family that's important and uh and then the third one is that in order for this to happen hostility has to be killed for peace okay for peace between us peace between god and then it ends uh with the temple and the block we are the block the church is the temple and we're going to talk about that at the end the beautiful manifestation that occurs when we do when we when we experience when we walk through these first three things does that make sense it probably doesn't right now but it's going to all right, Ephesians 2 11, 2, 11 through 22. I want you to notice this. When I read this, I want you to pick up on something. Look at how, in the first half, a lot of the language that Paul's is using is you. It's about you individually. And then he transitions, and you as Gentiles, you as Ephesians. And then he transitions and he talks about us, both of us. And he, he, he speaks about this inclusive language that is central to the gospel in the New Testament, of being the family of God. So that's what this section of Scripture is about. Okay, And so he says this, Therefore, therefore, since you have been made alive in Christ, and being made alive in Christ, more and more and more, therefore, he says, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you Gentile dogs in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made... ...in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time, that time separated from Christ... ...alienated from the commonwealth of Israel... ...and strangers to the covenants of promise... ...having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ you, who once were far off... ...have been brought near by the blood of Christ... ...for he himself is our peace... ...who has made us both one... ...and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near, Ephesians and, I mean Jews and Gentiles. For through him we both Both of the groups have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers, speaking to the Ephesians again. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. In him you, you are also. I didn't know that one was there. You are also being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Father, we ask that you would come now, that your Spirit would just, man, he would just move and open and the eyes of our hearts as, as we receive this teaching and we trust that it is true. Just come, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, first of all, individually, through the, uh, his blood of Christ, brings us individually close to God. And he says this in, in verse 12. Remember that the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, this is brutal, without hope and without God in the world. Okay, so what, what Paul's saying is, there was this time, Ephesians, that you need to remember where you, you had no citizenship. You, you, you were a part of no family. You had no connection to me. Okay, And and you didn't receive any of the promises, any of the covenants. So meaning that all the blessings that God had promised Israel, all the blessings to protect them, to prosper them, to defend them, to use them to conquer nations, to feed them, to watch. I mean, all of these promises, he says, none of those, none of those were for you. And it goes on to say, and you had no hope without any hope. You had no hope, not a little hope, no hope. Because you had no God. You had no God. And and then it says, who is the God in the world? Now, who's the God in the world? Jesus. Exactly. Jesus is the God in the world. And so there's this parallel at the very beginning. If you want to have hope, you have to have Jesus. If you want to have hope, you have to have Jesus. And again, he's bringing us, reminding us, this is who we really are before he, he does the the harder things with us, okay? Do you remember? Every one of us, there was a time in our life, right? When we didn't have hope. There was a time in our life when we didn't have Jesus. And it was dark, and it was hard, and it was lonely, and it was sad, and it was isolating. God wasn't prospering us. God wasn't protecting us. We didn't feel like he was watching over us because we weren't citizens. We weren't a part of his family. I mean, that, I remember that time in my life. And it was, it was I, when I look back in that time, it makes me remember, you know, and God tells us, and tells the Israelites again and again, remember from which you have come, that I rescued you from. And when we remember, we look back to that time when we didn't have God, we, we didn't have hope, we didn't have Jesus. It's a sad place. And, and, and some of you have, have recently come into that family, and you can remember very vividly, very vividly, of what that felt like. And so we remember these things because it it makes us have a thankful heart and to, you know, and to love the cross and to love Jesus and to adore Jesus and to sing to Jesus, right? To praise Jesus of what he's done in our heart. But it also should, in our heart, cause this reaction to those who are sad and lonely, who don't know God, who don't know hope, and don't know Jesus, okay? And so... He says, "But now in Christ, and he's getting ready to tell us who we are. Now in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. Have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You have been brought near. You were far away, and now you have been brought near." You know, Jer- Jeremy said at the end of his talk, the very last thing he said, he says, "You know, I'm far away from where I need to be, but I'm in a better place, or something like that." Right. Is that true? No, that's not true. He says he's come to Jesus. He's exactly where he needs to be. The enemy would like you to believe that being with Jesus is this, I'm far away still. I have all this work to do to get back to where I need to be. I'm not slamming you, Jeremy, wherever you are. God just said that through you so I can make this point. Because there is a reality to that. I want to be more intimate with Jesus. I want to know God more. And that's what he meant by that. But the enemy wants us to hear, the enemy wants us to believe this lie. I was far away, and I, I need to do this to get closer. I was far away, and I'm just one more step closer. No, when you turn to Jesus, you are there with him. It's not like you have to, like when your yard gets overgrown, like with like chaos, with bushes and grasses and streamers are in everywhere. It's not like, oh, I got all this work to do to make my yard look good. I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. I have all these steps to make my yard look good. No, no. When you come to Jesus, the Lord speaks to you and says, I want to be with you. And you wake up and you experience his presence. Guess what? You are closer than John the Baptist ever was, the greatest prophet. You are closer than he will ever know. You are closer than, than David. You are closer than, than everyone in the Old Testament. That's, that is where we reside when we obey, we respond, the Spirit is filling us, and we're united in one Spirit with Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? That's amazing. That's, that's flipping amazing, right? You might not feel that right now. There are times we don't feel, but that is the truth. This is the Word of God that we can trust. Every bit of it is true, and that we can trust. We can trust this. This is a truth that the Word speaks to us, okay? Now, the next piece, so it says his blood brought everyone near to God individually, but now he's going to say his body brings us near to everybody. He brings us together. Now, this is the hard piece, all right? Because you ever been to a family reunion? Anybody who's been to a family reunion knows what I'm talking about. Your whole family gets together, and there's like crazy people in it, right? There's people who annoy you in your family. There's people who, like, eat funny. And then there's people who just drink too much and make it awkward, you know? And if you got that crazy hippie brother, he's still smoking pot, you know? I mean, and it's awkward, right? And, and, you know, and and it makes it difficult to be a family. Family is hard. Being in community is hard. But this is what what Paul's getting ready to teach. He's getting ready to say, Jews and Gentiles, mm-mm, mm-mm. You're in one spirit. By my body, there's been sacrifice broken for you. All has been done to, to reconcile us as a family. Everything has been done. Everything has been done so that we can function as a family, even though we have differences. Okay, so he says this in verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both. This is that dual language now, okay? Both one, both one has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law ...of commandments expressed in ordinances... ...that might create in himself... ...one new man... ...in place of two... ...so making peace... ...and might reconcile us both... ...to God in one body... ...through the cross... ...thereby killing the hostility... ...and he came and preached... ...peace to you who are far off... ...and peace to you who are near... ...both groups again... ...for through him we both have access... ...how in one spirit... To the Father. Again, I want to emphasize the knowledge of the Word of God is empowered by the Spirit of God. Okay? And it can stay here today, or we can allow the Spirit to bring that, to bring that into our heart. And that is as powerful and miraculous and as a great, is as great a move of the Spirit as any healing. Any physical healing, any emotional healing. Whenever we get brought in, any work of the Spirit is a powerful work of the Spirit that is out of our control. That is is amazing. And that is what Paul is saying is this can happen, but only through the power of the Spirit. And so Paul says, I love grace. Peace. I love grace and I love peace. Peace. What does that mean? He's saying, he's saying that he, you know Christ has come to bring peace between you and God individually, but his body is that you would also have peace with each other. That's as much about the cross as our individual salvation. That we would be saved. ...from being isolated, that we be saved from being lonely... ...that we be saved from walking this Christian walk on our own... ...and that we would be united to being made one. How does that happen? He says right here. The hostility is gone. The anger is gone. Your upsetness is gone. That's how we can have peace with each other. It's because of the work of Christ. I'm going to talk about him killing, 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 killing hostility in a minute, okay? And so he's come to redeem that and make that real... And he says this, this is specifically how he deals, this is, this is great verses right here. Jesus, this is end of 14, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and expressed ordinances, okay, I'm going to explain what that means, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. This is talking about what is the relationship that we're supposed to have with each other look like. Okay, is it just like we're buddies? Is it just like we're friends? Or is there something that's going on here in this language that communicates the kind of relationship that we have, okay? Jesus came, oh wait, um, where am I? There, boom, okay. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore, by killing hostility, okay? Now he's talking about, when it says in one body, that's the first place that Paul talks about us being the church. That's what the one body is referring to, and that's where we're going to land after we talk about killing hostility. The importance of being a community and family. Okay, but he's made us both one. And how? Because he's like crushed, dominated the commandments and the ordinance expressed and abolished the law. In the Jewish culture, at the temple, okay? The old temple. He's foreshadowing like I'm getting ready to tell you about the new temple, which is the church. In the old temple, there was the outer court where Gentiles and non-Jews could go, right? And then there was a wall. There was a wall. That separated the outer court to the inner court, where the presence of God was. The Shekinah glory, right? Shekinah glory of God was. And what's he saying? Christ came abolishing the law. What's the new law? The law of peace and love that I've accomplished through my blood for you and through my broken body. And listen to this. So the wall had this sign on it, they say, that said any, any non-Jew that passes this point will be killed. Prepare yourself for the consequence, which is you will be killed. You will die. And it says here that Jesus, through abolishing, through, the, through the broke, his broken body, has, has gotten rid of this wall. This dividing wall of hostility. That there was between Jews and Gentiles or, or the Colossians or any of, anyone else other than themselves. He abolishes it. This wall of hostility is broken. Why? So we can experience the same Father through one spirit is what it says. We're united in one spirit. We all have one spirit. Okay. And then in verse 14 and 15 it says, Made us both one, created in himself one new man, in the place of two, one new man in the place of two, swap it, where two have become one, where do we hear that, what language is that, huh, marriage, good job RCC, the Jaguar score is 28 to 4 now, so just to create expectation for you, okay, Yeah, marriage, that is the language of covenant. That is the language of love, of intimacy, of marriage. And so what is Jesus saying here? He's saying this is the kind of of relationship you're to have with each other as the church. That I've redeemed you so so that you can come together because I've broken the wall of hostility. You have no excuse now to not have this powerful, intimate relationship. That we are the family of God. And we reveal to the world that we aren't football buddies only. You know, we aren't only just going to the movies together. We're not casually having a drink at the bar every once in a while. No. That's what the world does. The world doesn't need more of that. The world needs to look at the church and see a reconciled people. People with different beliefs, beliefs. With different ideas. Different cultures. Different issues. Yet we can come together. Right? We come together with all these differences. Redeemed through the blood individually, through the body, together, and we come together and are reconciled. And people look at that, and they go, what in the what? How does that happen? How are those crazy Christians like each other? That's just insane. That's just crazy. I don't understand that. Right. Because you're lost. You don't have God, and you have no hope. If we want to communicate hope to the world, we have to show them what being reconciled to Jesus looks like, individually, but as a church. I was talking to uh, someone, this, someone this week, and they said, Antley, I'm in this struggle where I have this, I have this conviction that's in my heart that I feel very strongly about, and, uh, and, and, and I know that God's given me this conviction, and, uh, and it's different from the conviction, Antley, that you have in your heart. Pastors hate hearing that. You're just like, all right, let's take off the gloves. You right. No, that's not what I do. I don't do that. I cower. Okay, just tell me. All right, no, but this person says, I have this conviction. But then they also felt like they, they had this love for the church. And, and they were being torn by this conviction they have and this love they have. Right? And they are and they praying about it and they're seeking the Lord on it. And the Lord said to this person, choose love. Always choose love. That's the word of the Lord as well. That's what Paul's getting at. Is that in our differences, in our differences, in our brokenness, that peace has been made. Hostility. Hostility is no more. Hostility is no more. That we've been freed. We have been freed from that so that we can receive the love of God in our hearts, the spirit. We have the same spirit within us, all of us. And God has reconciled us to each other so the world would, we would be a light, we would be salt. That's, that's how people are drawn to God. So we see this. In verse 12, we are far away. In verse 13, we're brought close by the blood of Christ individually. In verse 14, we're brought close to each other to each other through His body. And then in verse 15, we see Paul defines that being one looks like really knowing each other intimately. Not just acquaintances, but deeply with a deep love and a knowing, similar, same as as a married couple. Not literally, not literally. The intimacy that is that deep, that powerful, that uniting, that loyal. I mean that that again, this is this is not Antley's words. This is what scripture's saying to us if we want to find life. Okay, but then it says in verse 16 that we might reconcile us both. To God in one body, the church, through the cross, thereby killing hostility. This is cool right here, folks. So God talks about the blood of Christ. He talks about the body of Christ. Where do those two things come together? The cross. The cross is where his body and his blood are, right? And they come together so that we together, as the church, will be reconciled to God. How does that happen? Point three. Hostility has to be killed, Hostility has to be killed because if, if we have a hostile relationship with God, can't happen. If we have a hostile relationship with each other, the church cannot reconcile with God. Think about that. This is the hard piece. We all know and feel this peace with God, right? What Paul is saying is this. We as a church aren't going to grow. We as a church aren't going to move forward. We as a church aren't going to become who God's created us to be. We We might not do it a little. We will not do it at all. We cannot be reconciled to God and show the world the beauty of God unless hostility is killed and we come together as one. It is at the cross that Jesus deals with hostility where Paul pulls these two elements together. Jesus is killed, and then he kills. Jesus is murdered, and then he murders hostility for our sake. He kills it, he says, once and for all. This has been done for you. It has been killed so that you can reconcile to me and to each other and become the church I've created you to be. Jesus, this is what Paul's getting at here. Jesus has given his life so that we would be free to give our life for each other. Jesus has given his life. He has died to kill hostility So that we can die to what we think is right. We can die to our differences. We can die to the wounds. To the things that people have done to us. To the hurt we have. To the anger we have. To the frustration we have. We can die. We are called to die to those things. Instead of being right, we're called to be in love. Instead of being right, we're called to reconcile. That's the call of Jesus Christ. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you trust me? Do you trust that this is true? Do you trust that I have reconciled you to yourself and to others? Then die, Antley. Die to the frustration you have. Die to the things that have been done to you. Die to this. Die to that. Because everything that's been done to you is nothing compared to what you have done to Christ to put him on the cross. Nothing that you have done or has been done to you is comparable to what you have put him through. Nothing. You have no excuse. You have no excuse to harbor anger. You have no excuse to harbor, you know, what has hurt you, the wounds that you have. You have no excuse. And when you make one and you harbor those things, you diminish the power of the cross. You diminish the work of Christ. That is the truth of what Paul is saying here. Do you trust it? Do you believe this is true? Are you willing to die to being right to be reconciled? Think about communion. This is a great picture. I, I didn't read this anywhere. I think God actually spoke to me on this. Maybe right. So I'm thinking, this: what in communion? What happens? We have the blood, right? We have the body, right? We're called together to celebrate as a family, right? And you're called to the table to partake in that. But what do you have to do first? Go to your brother. Go to your brother and reconcile with him. Because until you do, don't come to me. I've done everything. Go reconcile to your brother. Dang. That's tough. That's hard. It's like we need Jesus to make us alive again and again, right? It's like we need the power of the Spirit to do something in us so we can, so we can fulfill this, this word that God has for us. This is difficult. This is not easy. You cannot do this on your own. This requires a powerful move of the Spirit. To a deal with the offense we have with each other? You can't do that. That's what the world is trying to do. Create behavioral issues, never getting at the heart, the hostility that we, we have. But Christ has killed it. It's gone. And this is what happens. This is what happens. At the very end. He talks about the temple. He talks about us being a block. The temple and the block, Okay. So then you're no longer strangers, aliens, and fellow citizens. Look at that. Strangers, far off. You know, you're no longer that stranger, okay? But you're citizens, you know? And you're saints, so it's like you're, you're, you're culturally accepted now. You're religiously accepted now. But look at the last one he says. You're of the same household. You're a family now. Intimacy. Intimate language there. Okay? Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets the foundation of the church is the word of god the spoken word through the prophets in the old testament and the new testament apostles the written word that's our foundation for how we are to live and build our life that's what paul's saying with jesus christ as the cornerstone now here's what's cool this is cool a cornerstone is set in the corner hence being called a cornerstone okay and so you have the foundation but if the cornerstone is like tweaked a little at the beginning, fires off a wall that cuts halfway through the foundation. The, corner, the cornerstone in a building determines the, 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 the accuracy and the perfection of how the temple is built. Okay, so Christ is the cornerstone. He's done all this, he's, he's killed hostility, he's, he's called us to intimacy with himself. He's called us, he's called us to reconcile with each other. This is the cornerstone, what Paul's saying, and we're the little bricks. He, he's saying, Are you gonna reconcile to me? Are you gonna reconcile to each other? Because you need to, so that we can be the church that God's created us to be. We can be the New Testament temple. The temple lives in us, but we are building a temple in this church. Our church is a temple. People come here in the same way in the Old Testament. There's a Shekinah glory right inside this temple that we are separated from. We are the Shekinah glory now. When we gather this morning, God's power, God's beauty, God's love, Shekinah glory is in the house because you are in the house. And so we become these building blocks that make the church beautiful, that make the church obvious to the world, make the church different. We say, oh, these blocks, we have these blocks. I had this picture in intercession a few weeks ago, and it didn't make any sense to me, but now it does, where people at River City Church were joined hands, like arm, kind of arm to arm, like soldiers used to do, right? They were joined arm to arm, and they were together. But then this cement fell on their arms and like up their shoulders, I was like, Lord, what in the world does that mean? I said it out loud because I didn't know what it meant. And then uh, in this picture, this is the picture that Paul's given us. We're in one spirit. The cement that makes us strong when we unite together, we block to block, is the spirit. The spirit comes in between us and solidifies us, makes us strong as a church, makes us strong as individuals so that we can house the beauty and the glory and the power of God so we can show the world this is who the church is. This is who the church is. We're cemented together as individuals so that we are built up. How are we built up? How do we grow? How can we do these things in the power of the Spirit? When, because when we're cemented together, as the church, when we are in the church, intimately involved in relationships in the church, this is how we will grow. We're reconciled to each other. Okay, you say, well, I'm a Christian on my own. i got the kingdom of God within me. Okay, let's say you take a block from the wall. Let's say like you're a block and take you from the wall. And you're a block now, right? I know you're thinking of that coal. If you take a coal out of a flyer, it slowly will burn out. Okay, so this is the same kind of picture, except that it's a little different. Okay, so this block comes out of the wall. Are you still a Christian? Yes. Yes. Do you saw the Spirit living in you? Yes. Are you going to fulfill your full potential? No. No. Paul's saying no. Why I reconcile you to me as a block is to be a part of the temple. Because only in the temple will you experience the power. You'll experience the beauty, the glory, and the community that's needed to become the block you were created to be. And here's here's the other thing. So not only will you lose out, but you leave a hole in the flipping castle. You leave a hole in the temple. Now, that's probably like blasphemy or something. I don't know. But that was the picture the Lord gave me is that not only do you miss out on the blessings the church has, this is the truth. Blessings that you bring that the church has for you, but when you remove yourself from the wall, we miss out on your gifts. We miss out on your talents. We miss out on your wisdom and your love. If you're somebody that says, Man, I, I I just I love the word of God so much, and you walk away from the church, guess the church loses your voice. Loses your voice, what you're most passionate about. Oh man, I just I just want to experience you know I just want to experience more and more of the Spirit. You know we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing that, but I want more of the Spirit. When you remove yourself, you remove that hunger that our church needs to hear about. Well, I I just I just love the poor. We're not doing enough ministry to the poor. I'm gonna go to this church. I, I feel like it is, and, and you can. But we need you here. When you leave, you leave a hole that we need. A voice that we need. That you need to be a part of. So these other passions are revealed in your heart as well. The question that we're asking, the question that we're asking is who do we think we are? Paul says that this is who you are individually, but this is who you are. Your children in the family of God who have been reconciled to God, to each other, so that you might become the church. Reconcile to me that the world needs to see. That's who we really are. That's who we're really called to be. We're going to end with this. Why don't we stand? This is Paul t- uh, speaking to the Corinthians. You got that verse? Just read it. Melissa came to me before the service, or just before the talk, and she read this verse to me. And while she's looking at it, I'm going to read this verse to you. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are called to become the righteousness of God. Go. Go. Microphone. Hello. Okay. This is Jane or sorry, first Peter four eight. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And it, it goes on. It says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The gifts of the Spirit. says for the edification of the body if we want to experience the power of the spirit we need to reconcile if we want to experience the love God has for us we need to reconcile to bring our offense to him and the way we do that is the way we do this every week we come before before a loving father we say father I know your, your word is good your word is real I trust you that this is the truth search me And know me. If there's any offense in my heart, reveal it to me. Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal it to me. And take it from me. This is the work of the Spirit, folks. Can't make this happen. We yield. We open ourselves up. And we ask Him to come. We ask Him to come and bring healing. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Let's everybody engage. And then we're going to invite folks forward who would like to receive prayer. As God speaks to us, and again, this isn't about shame or guilt. This is about love. This is about life and freedom from the things that the enemy has on you. Father, we ask you to come now. Let's just close our eyes, bow our heads, or not, just close our eyes so you're not distracted by anybody. Father, we ask you to come now through the power of your spirit, that you would search us, we would know you and that you would reveal in our heart offenses we have that you would reveal in our heart unforgiveness that you would reveal in our heart people we need to reconcile with come Holy Spirit we know, Father, this is you are the only one who can do this because you love us and want us to have freedom. So we invite you to come now. Come and reveal. Shine your light. Take the power away from these things in our heart that have prevented us from growing and experiencing more of you. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait now.